I am Julie. And I'm Lisa. And together we are Two Sober Chicks. Nailed it. Yes. On point. All right. So um, last night, it was so nice. We belong to the same home group, but we're not always often there at the same time. Mm -hmm. I work shift work. Our friend Karen works shift work as well. Sharon is our avid traveler. She is currently in Lima, Peru. Sarah, I would say, is almost always there. She's pretty faithful. She bakes yeah. cookies and she's there. And uh, she said baking cookies helps her show up. She has a commitment to the group. Yeah, it's true. To make cookies and show up. Plus, her job is a stay-at-home mom. So she's like at home busy during the day. And then she is, takes those two nights. So her family knows on those two nights, she's going to be out for yeah. two hours. She makes the flattest cookies I've ever seen. And they're so delicious. I know. The the oatmeal ones they're like oatmeal shortbread mm. how many people i've seen go up three and four times and grab handfuls and then i make eye contact with them and they're like don't judge me i'm like i just did the same thing <laughs> yes just smash them in my face it's always just creating a whole new world of addiction yeah <laughs> sugar and sweet addiction thanks for being an enabler <laughs> our beautiful sister sarah i look at her like i did last night because i sat one seat over from her and honestly, I cannot believe the transformation in her. The peace that exudes from her and the gratitude and her little light that she carries around everywhere with her eyes closed listening to meetings and going, mm, when there's a good share. Yeah. And her like constant chattiness where I'm like, we're in a meeting. Like you don't have to share with me the thoughts of the day. Like, shh. Yeah. Um, She's excited like, about it. What a transformation from like the broken, sickly, anxiety-ridden, fearful, stressed out, really low bottom that came in to that. And all of her beautiful necklaces and parachute pants and bringing in cookies and hugging everyone. Like, yeah. it's really one of the biggest transformations I've ever seen. I'm so grateful for her in yeah. our circle. And I love seeing the growth that this program gave her as a parent, too. So I get to witness mm -hmm. the change that you know, I you're see her sponsor. in her family. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool as well. Um, and she is like, she's like this childlike free spirit. Totally uninhibited yeah. as a child. And, uh, and I love that about mm -hmm. her. Um, and we I like love her you, Sarah. Freedom. She listens to her podcast. So we're just going to say it. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. We love you. <laughs> so it's funny because I had someone in a meeting sit down and, uh, Sarah was being Sarah in a meeting and this person said something negative about Sarah mm -hmm. to me. And Ooh. not knowing that I'm her sponsor, right? And in that moment, I was like, what do I do with this? Do I say something? And then I thought, no, it's not up to me. They're being judgmental. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm just going to let them sit with that. And they said something. And I think my response was, oh. And then I you know, carried on with something else and chaired the meeting. And then <laughs> Sarah shares. And she says, as my sponsor says, and she looks over at me and smiles. And I smile back. And the person sitting next <laughs> to me is like, oh, she is. big eyes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's right. You never know who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. It's a good lesson about being mindful, about not being judgmental, gossip. Yeah. So it was this wonderful little spiritual moment. Yeah. Keep those negative thoughts to yourself and your sponsor. Yes. It's probably the best, safest plan. Because we're all, we all have it. We all do it. We're all Come judgmental. On. And I've said things about people too. And then it's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that afterwards. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're human. 
We are. That's the great thing about this program is that uh, it's progress, not perfection. And we are all human and we do make those mistakes. I'm not sitting high above anybody. <laughs> no, I like to give myself a little bit of a smackdown and I'll be like, who are you, Queen of Sheba? Because I do. I act <laughs> yeah. like that. I said in my shared a meeting the other day, my the really ugly parts of myself when I go into anger mm-hmm. it's I usually go into ego and the ego says to me like do they know who I am do they know where I go to school do they know the car I drive do they and mm-hmm. I, it's so ugly and disgusting to me when I hear that because that is not who I am yeah like I want to be with the messiest dirtiest people that society neglects this is why I love going into like jails and treatment centers because I, I am, I love, my one of my mentors said this, whether it's brothers or sisters, I am not my sister's keeper, I am my sister. That's, That's why nice. I love our program, because I love you like I love myself. But that ego is nasty. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is nasty, and it will separate me from my yeah. fellow person. And it's where judgment lies. And it's where God is not able to come in like we had an amazing step three meeting yesterday and the thing that stuck out to me and we're talking about step three in the 12 and 12 on page 34 it talks about self-will always blocks the entry of god which means i am responsible for how much entry god has into my life Mm -hmm. and my self-will comes from my ego so if i want to be an ego god's like okay fine you got this no room for me i'll let you handle this one sister don't worry about it but when i go into god i am like I am your sister. I am your person. I am the same, mm-hmm. which is where I want to be. And I can let go of more things and I can be kinder yeah. and gentler. Um, yeah. That's you amazing. had an amazing share yesterday, which I would like to remind you about because I okay. was like, I wish I had a microphone. <laughs> so it was you, step three. Yep. And you talked about how God, when you first came into the program, you had your issues with God, as yeah. our listeners who are familiar with your story know. Yep. And that was because everyone else's concept of a higher power is what you were adopting. Right. So the church being a major source of damage for you growing up, like that higher power, you're telling me I have to have a higher power and that's what's going to save me, but that higher power condemns me. That's that right. That higher power hates me. Hates me. That higher power thinks I'm a mistake. Yep. I'm not and good enough. Only- I'm not worthy. If I walk into these hallowed halls, you know, I used to think lightning was going to, like I'd actually step over the threshold of a church door and go, whew. I'm still here. <laughs> Dodged another bullet. Yeah. Or maybe you don't exist after all. Yeah. Right? Because. I loved how you talked about only when you found your higher power as a personal God mm-hmm. or a personal higher power to you were you able to get recovery. And I remember thinking in that moment, our program is just as much about finding a higher power, which is why I think neither of us really understand the agnostic meetings, but I'm going to go to one this week yep. and f- find out what that's like. Um, it's just as much about finding a personal higher power as it is about stopping the ravages of our addiction. Mm-hmm. I almost, um, I almost think that for me is in itself a miracle that because I live in Toronto, there are plenty of agnostic meetings around that I could have attended. Mm-hmm. And for the, a person like myself who had a hate on for God, who had a hate on for the word God, who chose a home group because they didn't close with the Lord's prayer because that's how much I hated hearing it. Um, how I never ended up at an agnostic meeting is beyond me. Because now I seriously wonder, would I have been able um, to have the the peace and the freedom and the serenity that I have today 
if I had have gone to an agnostic meeting instead of going to a meeting that teaches me about a power greater than myself, mm -hmm. a power outside of myself. And what um, I started my share on last night was that underlined word in step three or sentence where it says, God, as we understood him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, so I was pretty fucked up at the beginning because the God of my, it wasn't the God of my understanding. It was the God of their understanding. And so it was a God of pain and a God of suffering and a God of letdown. Judgment. A God of judgment, a God of wrath. Favoritism. Mm-hmm. Um, remember I told you my story where uh, I used to like that song, God Sees the Little Sparrow Fall, because it reminds you of children and everything. Mm -hmm. But then as a little child, I would hear that in church and think, well, what about me? Like, oh. God sees the little sparrow fall, but didn't see what happened to me, didn't protect oh. me from my childhood sexual like abuse. Shatters my heart. That's And so I was so broken and and this is why I think it's important for me to share that part of my story when I do a talk. Yeah. Because um, I did have those thoughts. Like, why didn't, if God is so great and powerful and mighty and all seeing and all knowing, why didn't God protect me from that pedophile? Yeah. And um, I had to come to terms with that so that I could have a God of my own understanding. And so how I came to terms with that and how I've come to terms with death, um, you know, everybody has to die. There is a natural cycle to life. Mm -hmm. There's a beginning, a middle and an end. Mm -hmm. um, and then for trauma, things that happen like world wars, you know, the genocides, mass genocides that mm -hmm. people have endured um, and people, I was one of them, will often say, where's God in all of that? So did you come to that shift would you say intellectually, spiritually, emotionally? Like, how did you reconcile that? I think it was a combination of all three of those things through this whole process of finding my own higher power. Yeah. The thought came to me in part when I was talking with a friend, a sponsor who was dying about God and about what happens after death and aren't you afraid? And, you know, he said things like, well, why? Like I said, aren't you mad you got cancer? And he said, well, why not me? Mm -hmm. I thought about this. Today. Whoa. <laughs> um, so, and then I, I thought, you know, it wasn't God that did those things to me. It wasn't God that enacted genocide. It was humankind. Mm -hmm. um, I could say mankind, but we are all human. And women participated in, have participated in atrocious events as well. Mm -hmm. So like that pedophile, that was human willpower that made the choices that that person made. Yeah. I don't believe God whispered ill intent into someone's heart. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know how I came to that, to be quite honest, just going through this process and trying to define and understand what God was. And my sponsor would often say things like, if God was small enough for us to understand and to define, then God wouldn't be God. Right, which would be scary. So of course I would be afraid. If yeah. I have a small concept of God, I think I have to do it myself. Right. And then I'm fucked. Yeah. God has to be bigger. That's why they call it higher power. And that that uh, definition for me. So then, you know, Luke said to me, well, if you could imagine what God would be like, a God of your understanding, not a God of people who brought you up, mm -hmm. their understanding, but your understanding, what would that God be? Do you have a God of tests? Do you have a God of anger? Do you have a God of wrath? Or do you have a God of love? Mm -hmm. And it was that simple. It's like, I have a God of love. I believe, look at this earth. Look at this beautiful planet that we've been given as human beings. Mm -hmm. What a gift. Oh, we're fucking it up. <laughs> we're human. 
We make mistakes. We continue to sometimes to make them over and over again. But this is a beautiful gift, a mm -hmm. master of creation. Life itself, the birth process, the whole creation. Love, uh, how we can't explain why that particular person we fall in love with mm -hmm. or comes into our lives and this other particular person doesn't. Or like the creepy intuition feelings that keep us safe. Yeah. And we have, speaking of love and that feeling, that energy, you know, we can't put our finger on that. Mm -mm. We can't touch that. There's no proof, really, of love, mm -hmm. but we feel it and we know it's there. And I think that's how I am with a higher power today. Like when I really relax and let go of the reins, I feel that power mm -hmm. in, in multitude. Me too. And every single time I try to take it back, that's when I have struggle. That's when I have pain. That's when I have worry. Whenever I stop having the faith and I start to mistrust and I let go of the rain or I hang on to the reins, that's when things get bumpy for me again. Mm -hmm. And then I do, I have a reading or I go to a meeting or I hear somebody share or I talk to my sponsor, I talk to one of my beloved friends and it's like, oh yeah, there it is. I'm taking back my will again. Yeah. I've got to give it up. So... I know that was completely different than what I said last no, night. No, it was very similar. It was a really powerful meeting. Obviously, mm -hmm. a lot of the step three conversation had to do with faith. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a newcomer who, fuck, it was brilliant what she said. Um, I make a lot of notes in my big book, and I will write down things that speak to me. Yeah. And she said, faith is a commitment to believe in hope. And she said, your higher power is your version of hope. And I thought, I'm done. I'm just going to leave now. Yeah. Like meeting over, best thing I've heard. It was so good. Yeah. Like, and that was from a newcomer. Someone she had who's 90 days. Just getting. I was like, you say it, sister. This process. I also like in step three in the 12 and 12 on page 36, because I was one of these people who it, it says, um, uh, yes, respecting alcohol, I guess I have to be mm -hmm. dependent upon AA, but in all other matters, I must still maintain my independence. And it always reminds me these lines of, I'm the bratty child who keeps, you know, wanting, I want freedom. Mm -hmm. I want everything my way, mm -hmm. but I don't want any of the responsibility that goes along with that. Yeah. Right Nothing... beside that sentence, I have in red letters and highlighted, no, <laughs> with an underline. Don't do it. If I keep turning over my life and my will over to the care of something or somebody else, what will become of me? There's the ego again. I'll look like the hole in the donut. I love that line. <laughs> this, of course, is the process, I like this line, by which instinct and logic, so our past behavior and our past feelings and thoughts, our instinct, yep. and our logic is our old way of thinking, always seek to bolster egotism. And so frustrate spiritual development. And ego, I have written down here, it can stand for edging God out or easing God out. Mm -hmm. Because the ego says, no, no, I know better. Yeah. No, that person's wrong. But willingness, which is the key to our program, willingness says yes or maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It says, um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I'm not right or willingness is me looking at my past behavior and thinking okay well how did that work for me yeah i'm here i'm fucking here yeah <laughs> i'm an alcoholic i didn't fix myself and yep. i'm riding high on the coattails of life and i'm sitting down here in a church basement <laughs> talking to people about my uh my alcoholism so maybe my way didn't work for me um 
And I love that the more willing to depend upon a higher power, the more independent we actually are. I had no idea what that meant at first. I still have a question mark beside that from my early days. Mm -hmm. I was like, that makes no sense on me. Okay, so explain what you've learned. What I've learned is that dependence on a higher power is a relationship. So I don't have to do anything on my own. And I am completely dependent on people, places, and things in myself when I'm doing it all by myself. But the second yeah. I reach out to a higher power, it's like a parent holding a child's hand across the street. Like the child is safe and more independent than if yeah. it was just like running across into traffic. Because really, having a relationship with a higher power is a partnership. It's not the higher power takes over. It's a partnership. They're mm-hmm. like the CEO and you're like the president. Right. There's a little book in AA. They don't have them anymore. They're out of print. But there was one called Partnership, and I can't remember what the other one was. And it was green. Yeah, I don't. The other I've one never. Was blue. In the big book, it talks about the the higher power also being the principal, the father, and the director. Yeah. You know, so you don't have to run the show. You've got somebody in charge. Yeah. It's like when you work for yourself, you are independent, but you got a lot of shit to do. But when you work for another company, you're more independent, spend time with your family, you don't have to take your homework with you. It's kind of similar to that. It frees up more time. The time I noticed it freed up for me, essentially, was freedom from worry, freedom from a lot of stress, from a lot of anxiety, freedom from a lot of painstaking thinking, or as the old timers say, stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. Leads to drinking. I like that. (laughs) And one of my new favorites is nothing changes, nothing, if nothing changes, nothing, nothing changes. changes. I love that. Me too. I love it's it so, so much. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense to me today. I had to change my old way of thinking. And my old way of thinking was definitely something that relied upon myself and it wasn't working for me. So mm-hmm. um, I really do. I love step three. Uh, it's such a, it's a, it's one of the longer ones um, of, of the first three, um, but I really love it. It's full of so much and it has the serenity prayer at the end. That's right. So it's at the very end of step three in the 12 and 12 on page 41. God grant me this serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and, and the wisdom, wisdom to, to know, know the, the difference. difference. Thy I will, not, not mine, be, be done. done. And that is so important. That right there is the letting go and letting God. Reminding myself, thy will, not mine, be done. Thy. That's me letting it go. Another thing my sponsor had me do was rewrite. There's In the big book, there's the step three prayer, which is not this serenity prayer. God, relieve me of the self of... Pondage of self, that I made better do thy will. Um, Yeah, so that prayer, he had me sort of rewrite that in modern day terms to get rid of the thys and the thous and the... So it would speak to me, Mm -hmm. but I actually, I like the old version. So too. I'm fine with it. Now, said the girl who used to hate that the big book mentioned the word God in a capital G. He, him, father. Fucking sexist. I hated all that shit. Guess what? Now I focus on the message and I don't focus on the gender. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's about the message for me. That's so important. So that's our little talk about step three. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more about step three, we did a series uh, of podcasts about each individual step, except six and seven, which we did together. And you can find those uh, just about a month back. I think we posted them around Christmas. And they should be labeled a 12-step series. Yeah. If you want to look it up. you can check those out. On our podcast webpage. Thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Lisa. And this has been Two Sober Chicks.